All right. Good uh, afternoon, everyone. Uh, really happy to be out here talking Galaxy's Edge with you all today. We're not going to waste any time here, so we'll just go uh, right down from uh, from uh, you to over here introductions. Uh, my name is Brian Young. I write about Star Wars for StarWars.com, Sci-Fi, Slash Film, pretty much anywhere anyone will let me write about Star Wars. And I do a podcast about Star Wars called Full of Sith. Thank you. Uh, and that's, that's uh, and I've been to Galaxy's Edge, and it was a lot of fun, so that's why I'm here. Hey, uh, yeah, I'm Riley Blanton. I do a, a Disney podcast called Mouse and Castle, talking about the parks and films, and then a big Star Wars fan, do Star Wars Report. Uh, and I, too, have been to Galaxy's Edge, and it also was a lot of fun, and I'm excited to talk about it. I'm Chadwick Miller, and I've wrote, written one book about Disney, and I'm a huge Star Wars fan and collector, and I also have two in Galaxy's Edge. Hi, I'm Holly Fry. I uh, co-host full of sith with brian um thanks uh <laughs> galaxy's edge sucks no it's like the best thing. Um, well i'm sorry we're not doing a youtube bit right no joke uh i uh have been lucky enough i work for iHeartMedia and have had a lot of business trips to both orlando and la this year so magically i have gotten to both uh just real quick if everyone can squeeze in towards the center that this would be is, awesome this is very disney fill in all the available spaces <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my name's Nancy Schwartz. I podcast on Tashi Station Radio and also The Mouse Droid. And I've been to Galaxy's Edge at Disney World twice so far. And I'm Brian Larson. I'll be moderating today. I am uh, one of the hosts of Tashi Station Radio, The Mouse Droid, and The Tashi Station Brew House. Uh, okay, so Galaxy's Edge, just off the top. One word to describe your experience there. Um, magical. <laughs> oh, it's heaven. Overwhelming. <laughs> Strange. <laughs> Immersive. Yeah. Excellent. So let's talk about uh, the current ride that's open there right now, Smuggler's Run, where we all get to live our childhood fantasy of sitting down in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon and uh, flying the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy. But with any Disney attraction, especially these modern Disney attractions, the fun doesn't begin when you actually are in the ride vehicle. There's the whole queue leading up to it and all of the magic in there. And this ride is something else for them. Uh, so, yeah, just your thoughts on the queue, just everything leading up to it. So it's not even just the queue, it's the cast members as well. Because all the cast members there, I don't know how many of you are familiar with the story of why you're flying the Falcon, but you have volunteered to be an employee of Onaka Transport Solutions, and Honda Onaka needs fresh bodies that can very easily get uh, arrested or killed if possible to help him get a shipment of coaxium for the resistance. So all of the cast members there are in Onaka Solutions or Onaka Transport Solutions uh, uniforms, and they're looking for fresh fools or uh, employees. <laughs> Uh, and, and so getting all the way through that, you can talk to the cast members about Hondo and working for Hondo. One cast member I asked, I was like, what's it like working for Hondo? And they just, they literally laughed in my face. <laughs> and then they said, after they caught their breath from their laughter, they went, well, I guess it's nice when you get paid. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so the, I, I think the immersiveness doesn't just affect the environment, it's the cast members and their buy-in into the universe as well that you can play with them. The other one is um, there are porgs nests everywhere. <laughs> and I went through there looking for porgs and I didn't see a single porg. So when we finally got into the uh, Dejeric room aboard the Falcon, I pulled one of the uh, Onaka Transport Solutions employees aside and I said, have you, have you guys ever actually seen a porg in here? And he leans in and whispers at me as though he hasn't slept in a week, and he goes, you can hear him in the pipes, man. (laughs) (laughs) And then they bring us in toward the corridor to go to the cockpit, and I'll be damned if I couldn't hear porgs scratching around in the pipes. So it's, it's just like, before you even get to the cockpit, there's a lot of really cool storytelling you can do just by having that spirit of interaction with the cast members alone, not to mention this, the Hondo Onaka animatronic. So, Riley, I know you're a big Clone Wars fan, yeah. so you've got to tell me, what was it like for you seeing the second most advanced audio animatronic figure in Hondo? It's funny because, especially considering Hondo's probably my favorite new character from from Clone Wars, because he is such a over the top, uh, almost avatar of a character. He's just such a personality. So to see him as the central point, I think it showed a lot of faith from Disney and Imagineering to that this is going to be the guy who's going to essentially guide us through the experience because they really play off the the smuggler pirate angle and that's kind of some big shoes to fill because you're used to the person you most associate with the Millennium Falcon is of course Han Solo so I think they did something that pulls you into the story because you're intrigued and he's the one recruiting you so I I, I think it was the perfect like if you're going to pick someone he's the perfect one because um, if you picked a new character or uh, an unknown character, which is funny because he would probably be pretty un- unknown to most people anyway. Um, but he just kind of fits into Star Wars. Um, Ch- Chadwick and Holly, um, when you got to walk into the hold for the first time, and there's the Jarek table. How, did, how tempting was it to just not go on the ride for a while and just hang <laughs> out in there? Yeah, I just wanted to sit down and... I felt like I was home. It's where I've been watching the Falcon for over 30 years and just to see the table and the bench and all the hallways leading off to it. It's everything that you've seen on the screen and in the movies in real life. But for me, one of the best parts was when you were walking up just in the queue right past you, you could see so many different views of the Falcon. You see it from the back and you see it, you go up a little, some stair to the next level and you see it to the top of it. There's views that you don't ever think to see unless you've got the, toy of it or a model and it's just seeing the falcon up close and personal in real life is just amazing and the way they actually build that into the experience right so the queue you get to watch the physical falcon the whole time but then you uh can no longer see it when you're in the room with hondo and as part of like they hondo has this giant screen behind him so that you can see um like animation playing behind it. And as part of the story that he's taking you through, you hear the Falcon pick up behind you and come in on the other side behind Hondo. So it never breaks the illusion of why you're going through these corridors in this way to get to the Falcon. Uh, 
to speak to your question about whether or not you kind of want to skip your opportunity to stay in the hold, the first time I went, I was with a colleague. I actually conned him into having dinner with me in Disneyland for a meeting. Um, <laughs> not even joking. I was like, I'm landing in LA in 45 minutes. Do you want to eat in Disneyland and I will buy your ticket? And he's like, yeah, I guess. Um, but he also has a bum hip and I almost considered exploiting it and claiming a medical emergency so we could just oh. stay in the hold. For, I'd be like, he just needs to rest for like 15, 20 minutes. Um, but I didn't. I was behaved. But I, oh, it was like needle thin potential there. Now, Nancy, you couldn't unfortunately yeah, ride. I, I did that. I can't ride. I'm pregnant right now. So I went through the line, um, and we had we were on a cast member preview, and at that point in time, pretty much everyone had left. So literally, we just walked through the line and got to the hold, and then they got called to go on the ride, and they were like, "Oh, but." I want to sit down. So I stayed there. <laughs> and I was just taking selfies and I'm like, I'm just sitting at the dark table like, hey, what's up? I'm in the Falcon. And then we went again uh, at another preview and I, I went on I think, did, we go, did you go twice? Oh no, I only went on the one time with you guys. And then I went through the hold and then I asked him like, oh, how, how, do you, how do you leave? And so the cast members had to like escort me out and they're all in character and they're like, okay, you can go down this way or you can go out this way. You can take the escape pod. And I'm like, okay, cool. Okay, the ride itself. Um, if you haven't seen anything about it before, Smuggler's Run is a little bit of a mashup of um, Mission Space. Uh, it's a little bit of um, Flight of Passage, just kind of melded into this beautiful quick-time event game that's on a gigantic full-motion simulator. There are three roles you can play, and I want to know which role you all had the most fun with. Uh, the roles being engineer, pilot, and gunner. Pilot. Pilot, yeah. I think I think it's more than that. I got to be... I, got, I mean, like, when I went for the press preview, at the end of the night, everyone had... Like, the press had left, so it was, again, that situation where, like... We went on, like myself and a photographer from a newspaper, we went on just six times in a row, and we got to do every seat. And left pilot is the best one. I know you don't get to punch it to hyperspace, but that left-right moving the Falcon back and forth, that's where the most... Uh, that's where the most action plays out. Uh, with I the gunner. found that very stressful. <laughs> But but I think for my money that's that's the spot I'd want. But there's not a bad seat in the house. I got to play an engineer and I got to play uh, a gunner, and it's fun having it off of manual. But it kind of takes your eyes off the ride. So there's an automatic mode where you can just press a button and not even think about it, and you're good. Yeah. Um, has everyone here? Did everyone here have the chance to sit in the right pilot seat? And oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, it was so fun. Uh, so in the right pilot seat, you have, it's your job to pull the hyperspace lever. And I was not prepared emotionally for, yeah. it, it, it's a religious experience being able to pull the lever and throw the Falcon into hyperspace. So if you, left is fun, but I think if you can only ride it one once in your trip, you yeah, gotta take yeah, the yeah. right pilot seat. I would agree with that. Um, so... The, uh, the through the experience itself, uh, you are tasked with a couple goals: uh, stealing some coaxium, and based on how well you do or how badly you damage the Falcon, um, you'll get uh, your pay will be docked. <laughs> and uh, if you've got the uh, Parks Play app, it will be reflected in there. 
Um, another interesting thing is that it's it's real time motion picture quality rendering. So every move you make on the Falcon is reflected on the inside, but not just that. The time of day or night that you ride the ride is also reflected in the ride. So if you show up on Batu in the morning and you get on the ride, it's going to look like the morning. If you show up in the in the evening, it's going to look like the evening. If you show up at night, it's going to be night. But can we catch sunset? That'd be um, cool. I'm not. I sure. I caught sunset on my last. Oh, nice! It was really nice. Uh, yeah. So it's the the video's dynamic for yeah. the time of day, um, and this is Galaxy's Edge Batu East. <laughs> um, and I gotta say, uh, there's something special about the Florida sunsets in yeah. Batu. Yeah. Uh, if you have a chance to go there, stay until sunset. Uh, any other thoughts on Smuggler's Run? It's, I, it's a little overwhelming the first yeah. time. So, like, I, I think if you're going in trying to capture everything, you might rob yourself of the wonder of the moment. So just know that you're going to miss some elements, and that's fine. Uh, you'll ride it again. Yeah. Just, like, be in that second and have fun and not worry about seeing every single thing. And and a, especially if you're riding it for the first, second, or third time, those first few times, be that guy. Like, be the person who's in the cockpit and you're really, like, playing it up. Because a lot of times, especially if it's people and you don't know each other, because it's just yeah. six people, and if you don't have a full group of six, there's a little bit of awkwardness there. Yeah. But if you're just the person who's, like, freaking out and just, uh, like, kill him, kill him, when you're going after the, the TIE Fighters, <laughs> and just really the... playing it up, it makes it way more fun, and everyone kind of gets into it. Give everybody the permission yeah. to be role-playing and have fun in there. And there's so much, there are so many deep, connections to all of the lore if there's something you miss talk to the cast members like the ship that hondo flies because hondo doesn't actually go on the falcon with you he's in another ship that ship's named the katuni after Mm -hmm. one of the younglings that he tried to hijack and then ended up they saved his life in clone wars so it's like there's all kinds of little connections to the lore so if there's something you miss like the first time I went through there, I didn't see any porgs nests. Like, I was just so caught by the wonder of everything, I missed them completely. And it wasn't until I went in afterward and, and started asking, like, do you see porgs? That they were like, well, there's a nest right there, but they're in the pipes. You know, that kind of thing. Um, interact with the cast members. Ask them the questions of the things you think you're missing. And you're going to have not only a better experience finding those things, but it opens up those interactions with the cast. Absolutely. So... This is a Disney park, which means <laughs> merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. Uh, I mean, let, let's just talk about some of the stuff you can buy, some of the stuff you have bought, and the places you can buy them. So we, uh, the first thing I bought was the Space Coke, <laughs> because that was the thing I was most excited about, um, the little thermal detonator bottles, which now you can take with you uh, in your carry-on luggage. Yeah, they reverse it. Yeah, you just have to be empty Thank God. Now. Um, and then you go into the marketplace and there's just stalls there of all these awesome things you can buy. We bought a Lothcat um, and we carried it around the whole day in a little box and every cast member stopped us wanting to talk about the Lothcat. They were like, did you adopt a creature? And we're like, yeah, Lothcat. And they're like, oh. And then some people would like want to you know, see it and they're like, oh, that's so cute. And then some people were like, oh, does it bite? Is it scary? (laughs) And then uh, we, um, the last time I went, I 
was speaking to another cast member and I was looking at, they have a loft cat that's like asleep in a cage and she's like, oh yeah, they're so cute. And I said, yeah, we adopted one last time. And she goes, how is it? Does, is it nice? Has it adjusting well? And I said, well, my earth cat doesn't really like it. So she went, oh, earth cat. Oh, you're from off world. You know, and that's how they, that's how they are. So that was, I think the favorite thing we bought is our Lothcat. It was the Onaka people that like, I bought a Lothcat too. I bought a Lothcat and a puffer pig and uh, I had them in the same adoption crate. And then going into the Falcon, <laughs> the Onaka Transport Solutions employees were pissed at me. They were like, <laughs> they were like, you are not going to let that thing off on board, are you? Because we have enough problems with these porks. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, no, I will make sure to keep it in its cage. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I got the Wampa and the Tauntaun, so I was walking around carrying two separate totes. Yes. They're adorable. And they talk. I have droid rabies real bad. (laughs) (laughs) Like, real bad. Uh, So you can build an RC droid of your own design. This is like crack to me, and someone knows it because they just keep putting them out. Um, yeah, I can't resist walking in there and make it. It's the most charming experience because you register and you pick if you want to build a BB unit or an R unit, and then you pick out your parts from a moving conveyor belt, which is super fun. You guys have probably seen the YouTube videos. But then, like, as you're building it, they have, you know, you're on your little workbench and it's super charming. And then once you have it all together, they do this whole beautiful activation thing. And some cast members really are a little more ceremonial harmonious about it than others where they're like it's time for it to come to life and then they're you know it's a very dramatic and beautiful thing uh, so yeah i now have four droid children more on the way i feel like i'm i'm constantly pregnant with a droid you don't even know it uh, i'm always in gestation for droids apparently that's what's going on another thing i really loved uh i just happen to have a chance cube here <laughs> uh, they in the toy shop. They had the toy and game shop. They have all kind. They have Sabak cards. They've got chance cubes, just like Watto's. Um, and they have uh, actual like two D Dejeric sets. They've got uh, toys from the movies. It's there's way too much that you want to buy. But like I don't know. I would say buy the stuff that you're going to have like a connection with. Like I've been with these chance cubes annoying the hell out of my kids because every time they want something. I'm just like, I just happen to have a chance cube here. <laughs> I think that's abusive. And, <laughs> Anakin hates it. He's just like, will you put that thing away? Dad, can I play video games? Yeah. He let fate decide. Yeah, exactly. Oh, he's so sick of it. But it's so perfect. Yeah, and um, going to Galaxy's Edge with all of the, the toys when you are expecting a baby is a very dangerous thing because I can say... It's for the baby. It's not for me. It's going in the baby's room. And so, yeah. Uh, Doc Ondar shop. I mean, if you're not even buying anything, you have to go in there for just the lore alone. Uh, so have, have you all uh, had a chance to step in there? I, I don't, unfortunately. Um, it's the, the circular design makes it really hard to get a nice picture of. Um, but... All sorts of Jedi and Sith and old Republic artifacts, holograms, holocrons, all sorts of neat stuff in there that if you're a lore hound in Star Wars, that's the shop for you. Um, and you can even find the Ark of the Covenant in there. Yeah. <laughs> the idol b- buy it, but the, the idol, by the way, is over at Disney Springs. Yeah. Okay. Um, but there's there's all kinds of like really deep lore cuts in there to the point where like I spent 
I had about a half an hour to spend in there and I was taking pictures and trying to catalog it for an article and I know I missed stuff. And there's stuff that I'm still trying to track down like origins from, like of, of what it is. Um, and I mean, like they've got stuff from the Mandalorian in there. Like uh, the Mandalorian's helmet and gun is in there. They've got, uh, you know, busts of like the Nexu and the... Uh, the the yak creatures that were in cut scenes from solo um the cod yaks yeah um like it's just the cuts are so deep that you have to have such a deep reservoir to like pick them all out that you could spend all day in there just doing that the one of the my favorite things about that store was they had they sell what they call the legacy lightsabers. Um, so we were in the store and we could hear I, the cast member who was um, checking people out started talking about how these were the lightsabers that they heard stories about when they were younglings and talking about how this is, this is what Luke Skywalker's lightsaber was and this is what Ahsoka Tano's lightsaber was. So even though they are not you know concurrent with the timeline of the land, you're getting the immersive part of the cast members having lived the experience and having told those bedtime stories. It was really cool. Did anyone else find it, like, distasteful and almost gross that they were selling Hera's Calicori? (laughs) (laughs) The best part is that 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 is on display under a a picture of Thrawn. (laughs) But you can buy them, too. Like, you can buy them. And so, like, I went in there and I was like, oh, that's cool. You can buy this uh, Inquisitor, not Inquisitor, the uh, the Temple Guard helmet. You can buy all kinds of jewelry from the movies. Wait, is that Harris family calicori? This feels gross. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one was a little off, yeah. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. Um, and again, by the way, I, this is something I'm going to be repeating a lot. You have to go to Galaxy's Edge at dusk and night. This is the marketplace uh, at nighttime, and it is, like everything else, they're just really gorgeous. Um, so in addition to just stuff you can buy with your credit chip and take home, there are a couple building experiences. I uh, jumped the gun. Oh, it's, it's my all. <laughs> I mean, do you want to go into more depth on that, on the actual assembly of the uh, droid experience? I will say this, because I initially did two R-series droids, and I was a little trepidatious to do a BB unit, because I was like, oh, it's two pieces. You... No, no, no. They have worked it out, so it's still a really exciting experience. When you build an R-unit the mechanics are already built into the body. But when you build a BB unit, you actually get to put like the motion engine into it. Um, It's nothing you can't handle. They make it perfectly uh, doable for children. So even I can handle it. Um, But it is, it was a little bit more fun than I expected. I thought it was going to be a much simpler build. Uh, And so you, they have added in some fun aspects to make sure one is not a more enjoyable project than the other. Uh, I will say that the, the BB units are a lot harder to drive. They all have a drinking problem, uh, which is fine. They fit right in at my house. But um, if you're going for precision, the R unit is the way to go. Um, the other thing about the droid uh, building uh, area, the depot, that's where the 1138 reference is in, in the park. So you c- it's, it's one of those things that it's so just weird how they put it in. You're going to look up and you're going to see all of the droid legs and arms on a on a circular sort of like belt on the ceiling and so you're going to notice a pattern where there's one and then there is a space and then there's another one and a space and then there's three of them and then a space and then there's eight of them and a space and that's the hidden 1138 in disney's galaxy's edge i didn't know that prior to just now so that's awesome 
Um, Savi's workshop. Uh, I, I'm just going to say that uh, we, our first visit, we were not planning to do Savi's. Uh, our, fr- our friend uh, with WDI who brought us in for that preview said you have to. Then forced a uh, forced a reservation into my hand. Ow. They didn't I know, <laughs> right? Uh, and then we went and did Savi's workshop, and that's that is the point where I cried. Oh, yeah. At there were very many points where I came close. Savi's pushed me to tears. So I just want to hear about your experiences uh, with Savi's. Uh, I have a comparative because I've done it both in Florida and in California, and it's different. Um, The idea is the same and the functionality is the same, but the cast members have been trained in different ways. So like we went first to the Florida one and it is, there's a solemnity to it that makes it feel incredibly, really special. It's terribly moving. I went thinking like, I, I like lightsabers, but the Jedi stuff is not my favorite part of star Wars. Like I love it, but it's not my thing. It was more my husband's. I started crying 20 seconds in and I just stopped wiping my tears. I was like, well, this room full of people is just going to watch me cry copiously for the next 20 minutes or whatever. It is so moving. And it is, like I said, there's a solemnity and you kind of feel part of something bigger and special. And in when we did it in California, it is a little bit more ebullient and less solemn, which was a, a fascinating difference to watch. For example, my husband had bought a yellow uh, crystal at... Doc Ondar's, and that's not one of the colors they offer at Savi's, and he really wanted to use it. And so he had asked one of the the gatherers, which is what the, the people that are helping you build are called, can I use this? And the first one said, yeah. And then another one had come up and said, oh, is there a problem? He said, no, I want to use this other crystal. And he goes, what color is it? And my husband said yellow, and he goes, I want you to. And like, <laughs> like they're as excited to see different stuff as anybody else. And then after he had finished building it, uh, they were like, can we hold it? Because it makes different, all the crystals make different noises so you get a slightly different experience and because yellow was not one they had seen it kind of got passed around the cast members while they like parried and thrusted and turned it on and off to hear all of the noises it made so they were a little more of a giddy crowd whereas it it is a little bit more of a a a solemn crowd and a a little bit more about um kind of the the intensity and importance of what you're doing in Orlando. Both experiences are wonderful but they are a little bit different and I'm sure that also shuffles up a lot just depending on which which Batuan you're working with on any given day. But uh, keep in mind, if you've done it once, you maybe haven't done it all. I, I think one thing that's important to note about it, too, about not just that part of the park, but all of the park, Savi's like, I walked by it like four times during yeah. my preview, and I didn't realize it was there. It was very tucked away. It was very out of the way. And the thing is, one of the really subtle flourishes everywhere in the park that they have are the opening, the sliding open doors... Uh, that that Star Wars has everywhere. And we do it at the grocery store all the time, but you can see right through them and you know what's beyond. But in Star Wars, all those doors are opaque and they are here and they blend in with the walls. So you almost don't even know when you're passing all these doors. And Savi's was one of those that was like hidden and tucked away to fit in with that story that like, of course, you're going to have to go to some out of the way hidden place to build a lightsaber. Yeah, that's exactly it, because like the in-universe story is that it's like a junk shop. It's like, shh, it's not really, you can't, you can't actually get a you know, lightsaber there, which my friend William found out when he was trying to find it in the park. And he's just like, hey, is anybody, where's the lightsaber? Lightsabers, and then like one of the cast members was like, "You mean there's a junk shop?" And and so, uh, so that's how we discovered where it actually because it's hard to find. It's kind of out of the way. 
I am you... never going to let him live it down when I <laughs> no. see him next. And um, the the other thing about it, too, is you can read more about Savia and his gatherers in Delilah Dawson's Black Spire. Um, Black Spire really... Black Spire and Crash of Fate both, and I think Timothy Zahn's uh, Treason, Thrawn Treason book, really open up the lore of Batu in a way that, that's going to help you with those interactions and help you have some more of that deep history with a lot of the characters, including Savvy. Yeah. And one of the cool things about the light, the building the lightsaber is when you're done, they give you this carry bag for the lightsaber and the in-universe explanation is they don't want you flashing the lightsaber around where the First Order can see it and harass you about it. So I, I'm not going to spoil this because I, I want you all to experience it for yourself, but I was really curious as to how they were going to actually attach the blade to your hilt without completely breaking immersion. They found an extremely clever way, and I'm very excited for you all to see that. Um, so if you're like me and you're an annual pass holder, uh, the thing about Disney that gets you really pumped up and excited isn't the rides, isn't the shows. No, it's... Food and drink. <laughs> and boy, the food and drink game at Galaxy's Edge is good. So, favorites. Uh, what do you all? What did you all love there? Ronto Wrap. Yeah, 100%. Oh, my yeah. gosh, yeah. Um, being a vegetarian, uh, the, the hummus stuff that they have, I don't remember what it's called because it all has fanciful names, was out of this world. No pun intended. I realized I shouldn't have said that after I did. Um, and then the, I really love the blue milk and the drinks at Oga's. The drinks at Oga's are just oh, delicious. We'll be talking about Oga's okay. in just a minute. Yeah, I'll, we, I had the, um, Docking Bay 7 is their quick service restaurant. Um, I, we had the roast or the Fried and Dorian tip. Fried and Dorian tip, yep, which is chicken. And then um, the like roast that, and it's served really nice. Like it looks like it's from Star Wars. We did not have it um, during the preview time, but they serve them with weird metal sporks that they just happen to make look spacey and not Earth like. Docking Bay 7 is really cool the way it's set up. There's, like, different rooms. They have an outside area, too, that um, is really nice. It looks like something you would see in Batu, like a bazaar. Um, and they have, um, as I said before, the Space Coke. It's just, it's so stupid, and I don't know why it makes me so excited, but if you go to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, you can't buy Coke there. That's one of the things J.K. Rowling said, is she didn't want any name brand things in that section of the park. So if you are craving a Coke, you have to go outside and then bring it back in. And I was thinking, how are they going to do that in Star Wars with the immersion? And then at Celebration, they brought out the little bottles with the Star Wars language on it. And I was like... That is the most brilliant and stupid thing. And people pay $5 for these little bottles of Coke. It's funny. It's funny talking to cast members about it, too. They're like, oh, the the, the sugary syrup stuff, Mm -hmm. you off-world, we found some crates of it. I'm really glad you're all enjoying that because... Explosive flavor. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, when you ask them about it, they're like, yeah, it's not native to here. We found some crates of it and we're selling it and we don't care what it is. You know? 
one of the fun things is that food is also another place where lore gets integrated mm-hmm. a lot. We were at Docking Bay 7 at one point. Which uh, Docking Bay 7 up there on the screen right yeah. now. Um, and we had seated ourselves and one of the, the Batuans who works there had come over and explained that Cookie, formerly of Maz Kanata's castle, had been <laughs> tweaking the menu and was really trying to make sure everything was perfect. So if we didn't like it, please let him know and he would be happy to tell Cookie what any problems were and make it right. And it was just such a lovely moment of integration and he was completely in character and it just again i mean we've all been talking about immersion and like how magical that makes it but it there is something so special about it when you're in the moment and those moments play out and i i love that it extends right into the food yeah there's melu runs there in docubay 17 you can see crates of melu runs and who doesn't want to steal melu melu runs (laughs) that's why they put them really high but, uh, I mean, we can't talk about food and drink without talking about uh, what I think is the crowning achievement of uh, Galaxy's Edge, Oga's Cantina. Because I, as soon as they announced this, my first thought was, oh my god, I'm going to get a drink in a cantina. This is going to be the best. Spoilers, it was the best. Um, so, let's talk about your experiences in Oga's, uh, what you got, and just the atmosphere and vibe in there. At Oga's, everything seemed really fun. Um, I mean, admittedly, I was not there during normal business hours. I was there for the press preview. So, like, I got to go in and watch Paul Rubens nerding out about DJ Rex and, like, filming (laughs) DJ Rex. So I got a really cool picture of Paul Rubens taking a picture of DJ Rex, who's the character he's been voicing for 30 years. Um, and, And so the vibe was just really cool. The drinks were really good. And again, they create those uh, they create those opportunities for interaction with the bartenders for you. Like Kowaki and monkey lizards are not allowed in Oga's Cantina, and uh, the Kowakians they sell in the creature shop are shoulder uh, monkey lizards. So you can put them on your shoulder, and they're puppets, and they can uh, interact with people uh, based on your commands. And if you go into Oga's, they really don't take kindly to that. Um, and it's like the one place in the park where you're going to have an experience where you enjoy a cast member yelling at you. <laughs> yeah, and they will yell at you. Yeah, the first time we went, our cast member was, she wasn't rude, but she was very in character as like a surly kind of server. And she was just the best. She was like, all right, are you guys done yet? And then we we went in and the power goes out every once in a while and the cast members start like clapping and then peop- the, they'll the bartenders will bang on the bar to get the power to turn back on. And that happened twice while we were there. So she happened to be there the second time. And she was like, what are you guys doing? Every time you're here, the power goes out. She was very Rhea Perlman in Cheers, and I very much appreciated it. And the second time we went, we had a completely different experience. The server was really exuberant. He got our whole section of the cantina to start doing, like, call and response with the songs that were going on (laughs) and he had everyone cheering and people were taking pictures with him it was great um also the cantina is all good for all ages we saw tons of kids in there so don't worry about oh i'm bringing a kid into a bar it's very family friendly um i had the java juice um obviously i can't drink alcohol right now and that was delicious they have lots of non-alcoholic drinks um, the Java Juice comes with these like boba balls, but they call them wart eggs. And um, you can see the wart above the bar that's laying those eggs. 
Fresh. Yeah. Hey, it's fresh to table. Yeah. So I had the giant beer flight. Oh, yes. <laughs> so it's it's 75 I think it's up to $80 now. Uh, so it was 75 when I got it. They just released a new menu. It's up to 80 Oh, my. Um, well, I saved five bucks. So it's a... But you, and you get to keep the flight, but it's a nice, heavy-duty plastic, it feels like tray, made to look like wood, but all four of the cups that you get your beer in are porcelain Rancor teeth, so it's one of the coolest things you can get, but, I mean, like I said, and you're, when you trade it, you can trade it back into the bartender or your waitress, and they'll give you a fresh one to take home in the box, so I got the beer flight, and the sad thing is, and I learned this at in Pandora, that all their beer is made by other by just local breweries usually, and you can also you can usually find the same beer if you just use an app to find it, and you can get your this, the beer elsewhere without having to pay the Disney surcharge. But you just don't get these fancy glasses. And I also got the indoor tiki mug. That drink is so good. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ubnub. Side note. I got to brew my own beer earlier this year at a local brewery, and that was my <laughs> beer's name. And maybe two weeks later is when they announced the name of the mixed drink. I was like, you've got to be kidding. They stole my idea. But in the, the cup itself is cool because it's got scenes from indoors. It's got speeder bikes and the trees and the Ewoks, and the drink is delicious. But between the drink, the beer flight, and two other drinks I don't remember, you can get a pretty good buzz before noon. So, one of the podcasts I'm on is the Tashi Station Brew House, where we talk about Star Wars and make craft beer. So, I'm very invested in the beer at uh, Galaxy's Edge. Uh, for me, the Bad Motivator IPA was my favorite. I'm not sure if that's one that's one that's available in California. It is. Brewed by Sierra Nevada, really good. Any other favorites? It's all like it's it sounds cliche, but we're all up here going like it's all so good. But it really is all so good, whether that's the experience, the food, the drinks, the connections to all the lore, the role playing you get to do. It's just a like Disney took the happiest place on earth and like turned it up to 11. So and they, oh, sorry. Oh, and they also, you know, the atmosphere. There's DJ Rex is the he he's graduated from Star Tours and is now playing music. Uh, you can actually get the playlist of his songs on like Apple Music and Spotify and YouTube and all of that, and it's it's really fun. <laughs> so did you ever catch his malfunctions? Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. like a segment where Rex has a little bit of a hiccup stage, and sometimes he reverts to his Star Tours programming for just a few seconds at a time. It's great. It's, it's such a very, nice very, touch. The first time it happened, I was like, I've only had one cocktail. <laughs> so, I don't think this is a fantasy playing out. So we have talked a lot about role-playing in Galaxy's Edge. So what do you all do to kind of up your... Whoops. Next slide, please. Maybe. Theoretically. There we go. <laughs> so what do, you, what do you all do to up your, your uh, experience there? Um, I think the thing that I do is just really come prepared to ask them questions and explore the universe with the cast members. You don't you almost don't even need a story, although I uh, like Tom Holler, who's uh, one of the editors of Star Wars books at Del Rey, is actually building his own like, here's a role playing game adventure and a story that you can play inside Batuu. Like th that's the level that you can do it with. 
But you can have fun if you're not comfortable taking it to that next level just by asking questions and exploring the lore. Like, um, ask people what planet they're from. Uh, ask Because, uh, you know, a lot of the native Batuans uh, are just from Batu, and you can ask them about what things are like there and who's uh, in charge of things, right? They all have Oga stories. They all have Doc Ondar stories. Um, they all have Savvy stories. The Resistance there... Those are the fun ones because they've got like secret codes and they've got handshakes and they will bring you in closer and closer to the resistance the more you talk to them. I wasn't even trying to talk to a cast member the first time I I stepped into this world in like that next degree. I had a drink in my hand and one of them brushed by me and almost knocked it out of my hands. He steadied me and he was like, hey, how's it going? And then he started asking, like, sorry about that. And then he started asking me about where my, you know, so who, who, uh... Who, who in this conflict you see going on are you interested in trying to pull out that I was sympathetic to the resistance? Then he gave me a code word and said, hey, if you talk to other people from the resistance, if you say let the Wookiee win, they're going to they're gonna respond to you. And then, you know, you, you walk up to another resistance member and you're like, hey, I was told to tell you let the Wookiee win. And then they're just like, you can't just say the password like that. Like... <laughs> What if somebody's listening? Like, no, you've got to do this handshake, and you've got to say this and that, and it's it's um, uh, it's just really fun, and they'll draw you in if you're willing for that, just on on your own. I think the most important thing, though, would be to put your phone down and actually experience the world, like as immersive as it is. Don't go through the whole thing living it through a small screen. Everybody's seen the pictures on the internet. Ex- actually experience it for yourself and just let the feelings and everything overwhelm you because there's so much to see. Like you can be at the water fountain and a Dianoga is going to pop up. You can be in the bathroom and they're playing pod race results. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like on the radio and it's like, okay. Like I, I, I felt uncomfortable wanting to spend as much time in that bathroom as I did. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of the best bathrooms on property too. Yeah. It is. <laughs> Um, but I, I mean, if nothing else, if you're not sure about role playing or just kind of getting more in character, all you have to do is just ask a cast member what their story is. Yeah. That's the only thing you have to do. Um, so there are some new things that are coming. I, the, the park is not fully operational yet. And one of those things is Rise of the Resistance. Um, this is going to be the marquee attraction of Galaxy's Edge and... They're still being a little cagey with the secrets, but uh, they let uh, they let in some media folks uh, last uh, earlier this week to preview it. And from what we know, it is kind of three rides in one. Um, there are three stages where you take a shuttle up, you get captured by the First Order, you are marched through and marched through and thrown onto another ride vehicle. Then you're tossed into an escape pod, and there is a drop sequence involved. Apparently. Um, uh, it is is there anything else you all have heard or just anything? One, how excited are you for one, it? One thing I've heard, I mean, like, Disney does their right. Like, how many of you are fans of Pirates of the Caribbean or the Haunted Mansion, right? Like, Pirates of the Caribbean, I think, has something like 50 audio animatronics. And Rise of the Resistance, the last number I seen is I saw was north of 200. So... Uh, and they built two full-size AT-ATs in a full-size First Order Star Destroyer hangar. And and I don't know how many of you have been able to be on any of um, Disney's rideless track system or uh, trackless ride systems. Um, they they did it with the the uh, Mystery Manor 
sort of the haunted mansion analogs in China. Um, the Ratatouille ride in in Paris is on one of these rides, and that ride is amazing. And this is a very similar ride vehicle where there's no track, and so it's different every time, and and uh, it looks incredible. It really does. And speaking of looks incredible, earlier this week Disney released the first glimpse inside of Rise of the Resistance. I thought that was a matte painting at first look, and then closer inspection. Yeah, this is going to be really interesting. Um, well, and the cue also. The cue, oh, yeah. um, if you read Delilah Dawson's Black Spire, part of the, the, the book is the ruins where the Resistance is establishing their base. That's the cue. So if you read the book, you're going to know all kinds of things about the cue as well. Like, nobody cues better than Disney these no, days. No, no one. And yeah, this definitely will not be any exception. Um, the other thing is that's coming in a few years is Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser. So this is the quote-unquote Star Wars hotel that really is more of an all-inclusive cruise experience by the sounds of it. Um, and I, I know there were some price numbers that some site leaked. From what I've heard, that price was... About twice as high is what it really will be, um, but any everything they've been talking <laughs> right, everything they've been talking about to me screams cruise line. So I was wondering on what are your all thoughts of what we know we heard about it out of D twenty three. Well, when you when you hear words like all inclusive and a multi day experience, that is really how they seem to be selling it at D twenty three. And D twenty three had a model of the Halcyon. That's what they're they're calling it, um, which. They, they really are playing up this sort of in-universe. And I haven't heard this really as much on some of the fan sites and stuff, but initially when they announced Galaxy's Edge, they really kind of... I heard the Westworld comparison a lot of, like, when they talked about immersion of, like, all the cast member interactions, that sort of thing. This really seems to be how they're going to accomplish that next level. Because when you go and stay at this you know, two-night, three-day experience and, and shell out a couple grand to do it, <laughs> evidently, um, you have, like, a field day at... Batu, and they're going to transport you there, and they want to keep that complete experience. And it's it does seem to be targeted towards a, a very specific subgenre of people, a lot of whom are probably in this room. But <laughs> that really, but that really would pay for that immersive experience. And it and it makes me I'll be really interested to see how successful this is. Of yeah. like, if there's the demand there, or if this is a very niche thing. It be. it um it seems like you're 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 totally immersed. To the point where it almost feels like it's 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 almost like a three day long escape room because there's a yeah. story, right? I mean, how many of you have done an escape room for a half an hour or an hour and go like, "Wow, this is really cool! I'm solving these puzzles and there's some story interactions." Imagine something like that on a bigger scale in Star Wars for three days, um, and you're not actually seeing outside. Like every window in the hotel looks out to space. It, you're on a star cruiser. You're not. Um, you're not on Earth or Batu or anywhere, and I, I think about how they can do some of those things because obviously all this, all of the windows have to be monitors. Um, how many of you did the VR experience for the the yeah. droid, uh, the droid bay? Oh, right, mm -hmm. where you're in hyperspace and the hyperspace engines cut out, and then you see the first order fleet arrive like that's the kind of stuff they could do with this hotel so your windows look out to a hyperspace tunnel and it cuts out and there's enemies around like that's thrilling to think about yeah and the really cool thing is in disneyland what i've heard is there's three different entrances to the land uh 
Star uh, Hollywood Studios only has two of them, but where the third one is is what is rumored to be the entrance for the hotel. So they'll have their own special little entrance to the land, so you don't have to even see the outside of Disney World. Okay, uh, well, and while you're going on, uh, we'll have a couple minutes for questions, so if we want to line up here, uh, we can do that. Just one of the things that is constantly on my mind, and I'm sure all of us have considered it, is because they are pitching this with a port of call at Batu. I'm very curious how they're going to handle that in terms of timing, like, because Batu opens up to clearly non-Star Wars places, like, are they going to do it during extra, extra magic hours where only the resort guests are allowed in there? Because I think it would be super weird and break the yeah. the flow of it if you run into just some random dude who's like, right. you know, <laughs> drunk on Bespin Fizzes and is <laughs> like doing a Stumbelina thing through the Batu marketplace. So I'm, I'm very curious how they're solving that particular storyline yeah. element. Go ahead. For those of you who've been to both, um, obviously, Disneyland is a little bit smaller than Disney World. Did that feel any different on the two? There is literally only one place, and it is so marginal, the difference. And it's in that main square that, if you haven't been, you've surely seen pictures where you're kind of in the middle, Doc Ondars is to your right, you're looking at the Falcon. I mean, a minuscule difference where it feels a hair tighter. But that's the only place I noticed. Other than that, it's really, really small and subtle differences, like a piece of like a landscaping um, area that juts out an extra foot and a half in one place and not the other. And because we were lucky enough, we were in Florida and then two days later in Anaheim, like we really had a nice uh, ability to recall what we had seen in one and not the other. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they're literally that small or like the striping on the paint in the, the, um, the droid depot, like uh, conveyor belt area, subtly different. It's literally those kinds of tiny, tiny differences. Go ahead. Uh, my question is about the uh, lightsaber building. Um, afterwards, you know, you can go in the store and buy different kyber crystals. Um, I always kind of found it a bit distasteful that you, to get a special kyber crystal, I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, you had to, like, you know, purchase, like, a red one. You guys are familiar with that? Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah it's, a, it's a little loot boxy. Which, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of was like, yeah, kind of taking a shine back. shine your light on your phone on top of it. You, you, can, you can fudge it, yeah, but I felt really bad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not too big a fan of that kind yeah. of a, of that. Can I get some speculation, maybe, on how they might handle Earth holidays in Galaxy's Edge? Might there be like a parallel Christmassy like thing, or Halloween, or any wish lists? Well, so this year is the first year that Disneyland is moving most of its Halloween programming over to Disney's uh, over to. Disney's California Adventure and not doing it in Disneyland. Like, they still have the Haunted Mansion overlay with Nightmare Before Christmas, but I suspect that it's because they haven't quite figured out how to manage the concept of a bunch of six-year-old Snow Whites running through Batu. Um, <laughs> like, it, it just, I think they haven't quite figured out how to manage that particular holiday, and we'll see what happens. Since Hollywood Studios isn't their, like, flagship area in Florida where they do the holidays, that tends to be a Magic Kingdom, they have it a little easier, but Disneyland has a big challenge on their plate in that regard. The, the one thing I'm interested to see is the, so the area where Batu is in Hollywood Studios is the area where they used to have the Osborne lights. Um, and I know a lot of people are going to be wearing their Osborne lights shirts. And I'm really interested to see how, how that, if they interact with cast members and if the cast members ask about it, because I'm sure some of them will because they remember as well. I want them to bring Life Day. 
I think that would be hilarious. Well, I think part of the thing, though, is that it, it feels like the way the story is set in the park is that it's sort of one day in a specific point in time between The Last Jedi and uh, Rise of Skywalker. And, and it's just the same day sort of repeating over and over and over again. So they might not even address it at all. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, so I have younglings here that don't know, but uh, we're hoping Santa brings us a DW trip where we're going to be AP people Aww. after that. Um, but we're going, uh, or we're hoping December for six days and then in February for 14 days. So what is it? <laughs> we, uh, if we need, we do need some, uh, R2 units. So, um, but anyway, so I, we already have, uh, we're planning Savi, um, and I, the, the dusk at night is obviously something that you guys sold me on. Uh, we haven't been able to get Olga, but what is something that we could miss and be okay and get in February, or what's something that we can't miss on our first visit? Like, what is it that this was like so impactful, so moving for you that as your first visit there, you don't want to miss yeah. this one I think thing? If you've got a whole day there, I don't think there's anything you need to miss, right? Yeah, over at Disney World, you do need reservations for Savis and Ogas. I would, I, me personally, I would prioritize Sabi's over Oga's. Uh, just that experience is made the park for me. And for kids especially, yeah. make sure you've got the apps loaded up on stuff that they can they can do so they can track their reputation. And we didn't really talk about the app much, but there's like there's hacking jobs you can do. There's data terminals you can like hack into. There's drawers you can open. There's translator. Yeah, there's yeah. a translator, so everything's in Aurabesh, so it can translate from Aurabesh for them. Um, the other thing is they can intercept transmissions, and those transmissions are from communications around the park, and then those are things that can open up story opportunities for them to interact with cast members about. So they can overhear something on the app and then talk to a cast member about it, and they'll know about that. Um, so I think just having time to play is is one of the big yeah. the big things yeah and we didn't mention specific cast members but if you get a chance to if you don't have a chance to read the books but just read about the different characters vi marati is the main resistance spy and she just kind of wanders around the land she'll like come up to you and ask if you're part of the resistance if you're sympathetic to the resistance she'll ask you like hey are there stormtroopers over there will you look around um the, obviously the stormtroopers walk around and then kylo ray and chewie are also walking around the land it's not like a normal disney thing where there's a photo op and a meet and greet you just stumble upon them and see them and it's just magical yeah so let's uh, try and get through a couple more questions here real quick um the vibe marati was my question um I don't, do they have that stunt show thing every day? Not over at Disney World yet. Um, I don't know if it's every day at Disneyland. And what time uh, it's of day? It's inconsistent at Disneyland, but it, it happens. It's, yeah. And even if you talk to a Batu and they'll say, I can't tell you exactly, but I know I have seen some stuff happening over here between this hour and this hour, but I, I can't promise you it's going to happen. Yeah. Like, you're very cagey about it. But yeah. if you want to meet Vi, you will absolutely have the opportunity to meet Vi. Yeah, she's there. She's out and about. So, is it true that you can bargain at one shop or something to get a lower price? <laughs> I haven't tried personally. <laughs> it that like, goes so counter to my... my money, but this gentleman says yes. Oh, oh at Doc Ondar's? Okay. 
So, uh, uh, Doc Anders, you may have the opportunity to try that. It's yes! So it's Time to get my bargaining skills. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know another buyer who can do it a lot, who has a lower price than you. So if you want me to give you money and I, for your business I to would, succeed, why don't you just take my offering or... Try, try a Jedi mind trick. Yeah, yeah. give it a shot. You will give you will give me this for free. <laughs> All right, let's uh, try and get to another question here, uh, real quick. So I was going to bring in the app, uh, bring up the app when I first got in line, but that's been brought up now. Um, so instead, I have a question about the difference between Disneyland and Ma uh, Disney World. For those of you that have done both, with regards to how the Magic Bands factor in, I understand that no, that was supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, I know, but but I understand like you were supposed to be able to like track reputation during you okay. with your magic band and but but like that if you used it to purchase something that would yeah, so link to the app and p people would say like oh I see you're yeah, so it, under uh, favor with the resistance is that happening? Uh, it I, I don't know how far it's gone, but it is happening at least a little bit. Um, the progress I made in Smuggler's Run um, and I had my magic band on. Uh, did show up in the app. Okay. Um, so I don't know how they would link that without the magic band. So I assume there's some sort of there's some so, sort of database right, right. linking With, going on there. Without the uh, without the magic band, you at Disneyland you need to turn the Bluetooth on on your app on your phone so that it can interact with that stuff uh, the same right. way a magic band would. So your phone does it, which maybe is a privacy concern, but uh, <laughs> that is. A way they're doing it without the they magic band. They can have band. all my information. Yeah. yeah. They, already do. <laughs> they already have my soul. Right. Thank you. Okay, uh, last question. Okay. okay, so I live in Orlando. We're going in October, and I'm super psyched. Obviously, they they have their policy where you can't be mistaken for a cast member, but how tolerant are they of you portraying your own character and we coming saw, in costume? We saw a guy dressed as, like, in full Jedi costume, and yeah. we both looked at each other and were like, how did that guy get in? I, <laughs> um, I bet that isn't allowed to happen moving forward. Yeah, yeah, but they are they have like I think there's an article maybe, I don't know if it's on starwars.com or somewhere where they have on the Disney yeah. blog. Yeah. The Disney Parks blog has a guideline. Different yeah. types of outfits that are allowed like, and yes, no. Yeah. 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 So My, so they encourage it but not to a point. Yeah, <laughs> I mean if you think go, think bounding. Yeah, yeah, if you go dressed as like a Batu citizen that should be fine. If you don't go dressed as like Ray, probably not. Okay. Um, the other thing too, a lot of people are doing is uh, they're taking their phones and they're they're making oh, like yeah. data pads. Um, you know, they're 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 gluing Greeblies on to their 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 cases so that it looks like an in-universe data pad. People are really getting into it, and so you know those interactions with cast members are important. But if you see other, uh, you know, just guests doing that stuff, there there's probably some opportunities to make new friends. And first order troopers hate seeing those data pads. Just heads up, mm -hmm. you will get hassled. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got frostbitten by Okay, well, that is unfortunately all the time we had. A big round of applause for all of our panelists here, and we hope we can see you all at Galaxy's Edge soon. <laughs>